Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Oh, dial up. We're here for another episode of the High Impact Man, and, and I think this is the one we've been waiting for. Yes, this is a big one. Yeah, big guy. The big guy's here. So anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nevin Gorky. Uh, F3 guys know me as DFib, or as Hello Kitty calls me, the defibrillator. I'm joined by my co-host, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up. I know that some of you listeners uh, are not familiar with F3, but you will be by the end of this podcast, and I swear to you, it is worth listening to. Uh, anyway, our goal is to bring on guys to tell their story, to encourage, inspire, motivate uh, all of y'all out there and bring bring some hope to guys that need it. Um, we just uh, finished recording another podcast a little while ago. We're on we're on a, a triple header today. Um, we only drop one a week, but uh, but we're busy today. Dial up. You're going to make it through. I, I'm going to make it through. I am. Did you take a nap today? Uh, no, I didn't either. So I did sleep in a little later than usual. I did okay. not. I did not get up and run at five a.m. with the with the packs. Yeah, I have to admit I didn't either. So um, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit. I got to find out what Dark Helmet's doing about this. But this May Challenge thing in F3 is killing me. <laughs> and uh, yesterday, on my 320th Merkin, Merkin is another name for a push-up, uh, something really hurt in my shoulder. So I, uh, I laid off the Merkins today. And I also laid off the run because I got some hip issue going. But I'm going to run tomorrow. I, I swear. I, dial up and I are on the same team. So for those people who don't know, and most of you probably don't know, it's a you, you get a four-man team for the month of May, and you get points for the exercises that you do. So every push-up is a point. Every mile you run is 100 points, a bunch of other things. So our little F3 Susquehanna group, four of us, are in third place right now we as are. a team. And I am the weak link on the team. So I feel really motivated to try to prove myself and keep us in third place. Uh, but I, I laid a goose egg. No, I did 50 sit-ups. That's only 25 points. <laughs> 25 points. Thanks I, for that. Yeah, I got to do a 1,000 yeah. more. You never know. It could be a difference maker at the end. Could be. Could be. Yeah. I think I have to do a th- at least a 1,000 more to come close to my daily average points. Yeah. The, the, the big boy sit-ups are definitely undervalued. <laughs> yeah, I think There's they no, are. <laughs> they're a half point. Merkins are one point, right? Yep. Pull-ups are two points. It, yeah, yep. it doesn't, doesn't seem quite right. But, hey. I didn't make up the rules. We yeah. just follow them. Well, my team's carrying me today. I'm laying almost a goose egg. We'll oh, see. good. We still love you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, we'll, we'll just have somebody else on our team next year. There's still time, Defib. There's still time. You can, you can start. You can start doing some push-ups right here. It is not right midnight now. yet. Yeah, I, I think I told them we're 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 gonna do we're gonna get points between recordings. We're doing three tonight. Right. And so far, I was the I'm only one. That, you, I was the only I one mean, that did Merkin so uh, far. No, I say if I'm not mistaken, that's a pull-up bar behind you, isn't it? Yeah, but I can't do pull-ups. Good eyes, yeah. <laughs> oh, for crying out I do about out. one an hour. <laughs> at least well, he, it's, at two, <laughs> it's two points. Yeah, I, I did one earlier. <laughs> at least he recognized this for what it is and, oh, yeah. and not what Banjo thought that it no, was. No, it was Bing. It was oh, Bing. It was Bing. That's right. Bing thought it was something yeah, else. Yeah, Bing. He saw these bars. and You can't see this on the podcast, obviously. But anyway, he thought it was something else that we won't go into. It was yeah, Bing has kind of... Um, a dark mind uh, of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we won't go into that. But anyway, I'm going to introduce you. So this guy's name is Frank Schwartz. He's known and loved across the F3 Nation as Dark Helmet, or as his buddy Dredd calls him, the darkest of all 
And uh, anyway, Indeed. he is our our guest tonight. He's going to tell his story. We're going to dive a little deeper. I know a lot of you guys know this guy, but we're going to we're going to try to drag some stuff out of him that maybe you don't know. But the goal here is to motivate and inspire y'all. Uh, just a little bit about. Dark Helmet, he's the founder and president of The Unlocked Man, a leadership development community which guides and equips leaders to remove self-limiting beliefs and connect to their personal purpose in order to fulfill their potential and their organization's mission. He's also the president of F3 Nation. Uh, so F3 Nation consists of about 55,000 guys across 46 states and four continents. We use uh, outdoor workouts to uh, teach leadership principles. And that's, uh, that's the mission of F3. Uh, he also founded LEC Media in 2007, a corporate communication and video production firm in Charlotte, North Carolina, otherwise known as the New Jerusalem, I guess, which serves clients <laughs> like Bank of American, Electrolux, Verbatim, Honeywell, and others. He is the husband of his self-described better half, Tracy. Father of three wonderful red-headed daughters, ages 18, 16, and 12, Dark Helmet. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate you letting me be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. So um, I thought you probably told this story like a zillion times by now, but I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't say, tell us how you got your name, how you got to start in F3 and all the usual stuff we got to ask. So, uh, I mean, certainly everyone tells their, their naming story, you know, fairly frequently. Right. Right. But, uh, and maybe I have told it a few more times here and there, but uh, I never assume that anyone remembers anything about me. I also never assume that, <laughs> that everyone's heard, uh, you know, at different right. times. So, uh, the guys uh, where I live, uh, which is actually in Fort Mill, uh, South Carolina, which is just over the, over the line, uh, from Charlotte. Like I can throw a rock pretty much and, and hit, hit North Carolina from where I am, but, uh, they're, they're fairly inventive some days and not so much other days. But, uh, so anyway, dark helmet is a reference to the Mel Brooks movie Spaceballs, If you are familiar, Very. uh, yes. and, and since my last name is Schwartz, yes. you know, somebody heard Schwartz and they were like, Oh, the Schwartz. And then it instantly went from <laughs> there to uh, dark helmet. So. I mean, it took like no time. They were like, what's the bad guy again? That was it. It was over. And I was like, you know what? I could have been, I could have been Princess Vespa. I could have been Barf. I could have been a <laughs> right. lot of things. So I was, you know, Pizza the Hut. I'm, I was, I'm, I'm fine. Dark Helmet's fine. I'll just, I'm, I'm good. I think you skated on that one. That, that yep. is, that, that is pretty good. It was so. definitely the best option so. of the, yeah. Yeah, right. The cast, yeah. May the Schwartz be with you. All right. Whether I like it or not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's with us tonight. How, so how, how long ago did you get started on F3? So I started in uh, 2014 um, and, uh, you know, I was like a lot of guys, you know, just uh, my whole goal with coming was to not be fat. That was, that was all I really wanted out of this thing. And I didn't really understand that it was a leadership group or, you know, there was anything more to it. I just understood it was, you know, a free workout. And I was like, Meh. you know, free sounds good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's excellent. I just, you know, just talking about being fat, um, my wife recently sent me a picture. It probably popped up on her Facebook feed or something like that uh, of me on a cruise ship. It had to be six years ago, five, six years ago. Oof. I didn't realize how fat I was. I mean, I, I was fat, but I, I mean, I knew I was, I was overweight. No, I was fat. You know, I don't think there was such a thing as over. So anyway, I was really fat. But anyway, I've, I've lost a lot of weight since then. I still have some weight to lose, but, um, but it was an eye opener to me and what I, I didn't, I didn't mean to go down this road, but anyway, uh, the wheels are rolling. So here we go. So, uh, I, nobody told me I was fat. You know, right. I'm like, why did anybody tell me? Why, why did you just say, 
you know, Nev, you're really fat. You need to do something. But not, nobody told me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I heard nothing about it. I, the day I realized it, I, I, I sat down in my car and I could, <laughs> I could rest my arm on my stomach, like on my belly sticking out. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. This seems bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad when you can rest your plate. Yeah. You know, on your yeah, okay. Well, you I wasn't quite to plate level. I, <laughs> plate maybe level. like an appetizer. Maybe like an appetizer there plate yeah. or something. <laughs> but I wasn't full like dinner plate at that point. I yeah. will say the picture you're referencing though, I think it I think it took the the worst angle or or like something. You know how that is like these Instagram people, it's all in the angle yeah, and holding yeah. the phone at the, like I think they just went the opposite. No, we'll go with that. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. But I will say this, the mirror lies. The mirror is a liar. I don't know if you people know that out there, but the mirror does not tell the truth because I thought I was looking pretty good. I'd even say, hey, look, I think I see some abs. And I was fat. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, not, fat any, you're not fat anymore, but you're still slow, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to own that one. You know, there was one time when I could run better, but anyway, yeah. I'm, I don't care anymore, you know? It's okay. So, I don't, so take that, Dial-Up. I, I say care. it out of love and, and the challenge. Look, <laughs> Dial-Up, we are what we are. That's right. That's right. And, and you can be a hater if you want, but I think you should, I think you should back off. <laughs> no, but that's okay because Dial-Up would have told me I was, he would, you would tell me I'm fat now, right? Yeah, but you're not fat anyway. No, see, there you go. Yeah. I got that going for me. There you go. All right. I have but no that, idea why I started down this fat road, but... Because I said something about wanting to not be fat. So yeah, that's yeah. What so what'd you find? I mean, you went there to, to not be fat anymore. So what happened? Well, so I went out like on a Saturday and uh, I don't know how everybody else does it in their regions, but uh, here in Fort Mill, um, they it's an hour workout and typically it is shared. Uh, so one guy will do the first half, one guy will do the second half. Oh, that's new. And I went, yeah, what's that again? That's new to me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't happen everywhere, right? But uh, that's that's how they did it down here. I don't know why. Um, like, you know, but I showed up on that first day. It was extremely cold. I, I th- it might have been like November or something. I don't remember exactly when, but. What was it, about 30? Uh, <laughs> was, it, was it about 30? No, it was probably 50. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, uh, compared to you, maybe not as cold. I don't know, but uh, for me, it was super cold. Um, and uh, I remember being out there and. I had just started going to the gym because what had happened was what had happened was um, I, uh, you know, I went to the doctor for my annual physical and she was like, uh, you're fat. And I was like, well, thanks. And she says, here's the problem. You've got high blood pressure. You got high cholesterol. You got sleep apnea. She goes, basically you're, you're a stroke waiting to happen. Mm. And if we don't do something, you know, by the next time I see you, if I see you in a year, uh, next time I see you, I'm going to prescribe a whole bunch of medicine and stuff and get you, you know, so you can start getting right. And I was like, uh, I guess it's time for me to actually exercise. I've been going to her for, you know, my doctor's been going to her for forever and, uh, and just, you know, finally caught up and she was like, well, you know, you're going to die. Okay. Well, I guess I'll change that. So I go out there, but I had started going to the gym a little bit, you know, and I was feeling pretty good about things. I would, you know, I'd jog a mile right. on the treadmill. Yeah. Eh, not bad, right? You know, I'd go over to some machines that I didn't really understand how to use and I'd push them around a little bit. Not bad. Right. You know, feeling pretty good. And I definitely had lost a little bit of weight. I probably lost, you know, maybe 10, 10, 15 pounds, something like that. I think my, my fattest, I was probably right up around 250, mm-hmm. uh, maybe just a little shy of that. And, uh, and so you know, I'd lost a little bit of weight and so I was feeling okay about, about things. And I went out to this F3 workout that I kept hearing about and, and, uh, 
you know, 30 minutes goes by and the one guy goes, okay, guys, bring it in. And I was like, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Like that was the hardest. Well, and then he goes, all right, now for the second half, I'm going to hand it off. And I was like, how was there a second half? <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no way. There's no way. I was like, I can't do 30 more minutes of this, but sure enough, you know, you, you grind it out and people are encouraging and, and uh, of course we did everything from, you know, we ran hills and all this kind of stuff. We did partner carries. And I was like, this is the worst. And I got partnered up with some guy who probably, I'd be surprised if he weighed 130 pounds. I mean, he's a skinny runner kid. So I throw him up on my fat back and I'm running, you know, I just, you know, across the field. And then it was like, Oh, it's his turn. And I'm, like, uh, I'm not sure it's a good idea for you, bro. And he's like, I'll be fine. And when he carried my fat butt across that field, I was like, okay, something's different here. <laughs> like these men are tougher than I am. <laughs> What's going on. But the, the thing that really hooked me, uh, Fib was, uh, that I, at the end, we stood around in that circle of trust and there was something just, I don't even know the right way to say it, just something raw and, and, and open and emotional about being in a ball of man mm. and laying my hands on my brother and, and having them pray. Yeah. And that, that's how we do it down here. Right. And you know, we're, we're in the Bible belt. So, you know, it's, it's more of a, of a Christian type prayer is how they typically end a COT. Uh, and I remember going home to my wife and I was like, I, I don't even understand what's going on out there. Like that didn't make any sense. Like it was weird. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the week two comes around. I'm like, eh, maybe I'll go back again. You know? And so I go back on a Saturday and I work out again. And then, you know, again, this, this ball of man. And I, and I went home after that one and I was like, all right, honey, that's it. Right. Like I'm, I'm quitting the gym. There's something different. I said, this is what I think, uh, I, I, this is what I think men are supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is how men are supposed to act with one another. Like, and it just, it, it really clicked. So I was kind of hooked from there and, you know, I started just going on Saturdays, uh, for a while. Um, <laughs> cause I was probably cause I was too sore during the week. To right. <laughs> took you, took you all week to recover. <laughs> yeah. After they beat me to death on Saturday. Uh, but then, you know, eventually it was like, oh, maybe I'll come on a Tuesday. Maybe I'll come, you know, and then pretty soon you're doing, you know, four or five, six days a week or whatever it is. And, and, um, you know, they say the rest is history, but it, it, the, the rest is still unfolding. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. You know, I'm still working on it. I'm still you know, striving all the time and trying to figure out how to get better and how to push harder and all that kind of stuff. So that's I, the, that's sort of the, the origin story, if you will. Yeah. So, so it just dawned on me. So that, the benefits of launching a new region mm -hmm. is that you only start with one day a week, right? Generally. That's what we did. Yeah. So yeah. you, you have a whole week to recover. Right. Right. <laughs> and then once the initial, you know, the, the packs or the Redwoods, Redwoods, right. Once they, once they get in shape, then they launch the second AO. And then the mm -hmm. third and the fourth. So they gradually get to build into it. So yeah, right. yeah. if they're smart, that's, Island, the, that's that, what they'll do. They're yeah, smart. That's the way to do it. <laughs> it kind of depends. You know, when I was uh, down in Florida, when I first got involved with F3, it was only one AO being a just planted shovel flag in Lakewood Ranch. Told that story a bunch of times, but uh, there was just Saturday mornings. But then they started getting weekday mornings uh, eventually. But they could do it quickly because they had, I don't, I don't know how many guys he had in his first beatdown, but I was one of the first beatdowns. It wasn't the first one, but I was one of the early ones. There were like 33 guys there. So, yeah. I mean, they, they just went boom and they had all these guys and a lot of them were fit and one of his like right-hand man, Drake, for a while there, he was very fit and his wife like is a professional endurance person. I don't know. So anyway, they just grew pretty quickly. So, so Dark Hamlet, who had EH'd you or how had you heard about F3? <laughs> That's a good question. So uh, there was a, uh, it was kind of a combination, I guess, of a number of factors. Um, I, I kind of just kept hearing about it. 
like I would just hear about it from a friend and be like, they'd be like something, something F3. And you know, I was sort of, I don't remember the conversations. I was just kind of vaguely hear about it. And I was like, that's okay, whatever. But there was a guy that I worked with who, um, who I used to hire, you know, like as a, a freelancer for my company uh, a lot. And he, you know, I hadn't seen him for a little bit, maybe, you know, three, four months or something. And I came in one time and I was like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're not nearly as fat as you used to be. Like, wait, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing this thing called F3. And I was like, for crying out loud, I keep hearing about this stupid F3. Well, and I said, what, what is it exactly? And so he starts telling me and he was like, oh yeah, you know, we were doing, you know, uh, box jumps on the bleachers and then we bear crawled over here and then we did this. And I was like, well, that's stupid. I'm not doing any of that. You know, <laughs> okay. there, there is no way there's not a chance in hell I'm doing any of that. And um, he's like, no, no, you could do it. And I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm as tough as you are. I don't know, man. I, that's just doesn't sound like my bag. And then of course the early morning actually doesn't, doesn't bother me much. I'm, I'm kind of a morning person by nature. So the, the early morning wasn't the problem. It was the outdoors. I didn't really dig. I was like, Oh, but you get dirty out there, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And then, it, you know, the, the, the idea that it was, this was extremely difficult from what he described, you know, mm-hmm. um, once you get in it and start doing it, obviously, you know, as you guys know, it's not quite as bad, but so that guy's name was white snake. And so I kind of point to him and, and attribute it to him, but I heard it from a, a few different places. And, uh, and then I just sort of, you know, since I'd kind of been hearing about it, I mean, kind of going to the gym and, and, uh, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go try it. So I just sort of showed up one Saturday and didn't tell anybody or anything like that. I just kind of you know, snuck in the back of, <laughs> of the Fort Mill workout. And, uh-huh. and that's, uh, that's kind of how it, I guess the, the EH more or less happened. Cool. That's cool. So like, what I'd like to do is rewind time a little bit. You know, we know dark helmet, but we need to know little helmet. So what was it like <laughs> that? Please never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. So, uh, what was it I'm like? I know anything know? about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. About what? Light, light helmet? Light helmet? <laughs> How about little hey, dark helmet? You're getting worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, as I ask all the guests, I want to. I'm always interested where guys came from. Like where it was like where you grew up. What was your family like? Oh like? Yeah. yeah, sure. So, um, uh, how deep do we get? Well, why not? We'll just jump right in. Uh, so, I grew up in uh, Virginia um, until I was in like mm, I guess middle school. We were kind of in northern Virginia, and then we moved down to southwest Virginia, like Blacksburg area. If you're familiar with that. Um, and, uh, that's where Virginia tech is. And that's where I went to high school. That's where I went to college, not Virginia tech, but in that, in that area, um, at, uh, at Radford university, which is where you go when you can't get into Virginia tech. <laughs> um, <laughs> cause I couldn't, uh, but you know, I, we grew up in, uh, I had, uh, let's see, there's six of us, uh, six kids, um, two older sisters from, uh, my dad's second marriage. And then my mom had, uh, four kids, me, my brother, and then two younger sisters. And, uh, so yeah, it was always a, a big crowd, uh, around the house. Um, it was, uh, my dad's kind of a, a tough dude. Um, we, we were pretty, you know, somewhat athletic, I guess, you know, as kids or whatever, I, I did some sports, whatever he kind of it was like, oh, we're going to water ski. Okay. So all right, fine. I water skied, you know, and then it was, oh, we should wrestle. Okay. I'll wrestle, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did scouts and stuff like that. And, but, uh, all the way through, you know, I always tell guys now, like, you know, when they find themselves just a little sad or lonely or tough, you know, just tough this time of life, sometimes it gets tough, you know, midlife crisis kind of stuff. And, and, uh, they start looking back at their lives and I'm like, yeah, no, I know it's your dad's fault you know, right. of course it's your dad's fault. Right. Yeah. yeah. But now it's your responsibility. Right. So, so I, it, it, there was a lot of stuff, you know, and a lot of baggage that you carry, uh, when you're a kid and a lot of, you know, he was a pretty strict disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and he was a little bit uh, over controlling. Maybe uh, the story I tell a lot of times is, you know, we had a basement that you know, was kind of our playroom. And uh, we had, you know, shelves, wood shelves at both ends. And, and he would uh, draw in uh, crayon around the toys and then label it. <laughs> so, like you couldn't just put it on a shelf. It had to go. go in its little like chalk outline of like, you know, like there was like a crime scene or something. I don't know. Like, you, you know, you had to stick it in this, in this, uh, in, in its spot. So it was kind of that level of, uh, of, of, you know, precision and exactness and, and that sort of thing. So some things that teach you that it's bad, some things that teach you, you know, that's, that's good. So we tried to take the good and leave the bad. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, generally speaking, you know, overall pretty happy childhood, you know, like we, we, we muddled by and, and, uh, and then when I got old enough to get out of my house, I was like, um, bye bye. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, went to, went to school, um, at Radford, uh, majored in psychology, um, decided to, after I finished, uh, I was like, ah, I'm not quite done, uh, because I don't want to do real world things and you can't do much with an undergraduate degree in psychology. So went back and did master's work in psychology. Um, and then upon graduating there, I, uh, I went and worked in mental health for a few minutes and I was like, well, this is stupid. These people are nuts. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> so I got out of that and, uh, decided to go and work in, uh, in television. Um, because that's, it was just sort of a hobby. Um, but then I managed to, you know, fool someone into giving me a job, uh, in the, in the TV world. And at that time, you know, I, I met my wife kind of in that whole, you know, I, I finished graduate school, get out uh, and, um, all that. And then, you know, met my wife in the meantime, got married. Uh, she was out in Utah. And, uh, so we, I moved out there and we spent, uh, not quite two years, I guess, uh, together. Uh, out there. And then I was finally like, your family's crazy. I'm leaving. So <laughs> you can come with me if you want though. <laughs> and uh, so we moved <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, to Atlanta uh, area for about uh, 15 minutes. Um, almost as long as I was in uh, mental health. I was like, wow, this, this place sucks. Uh, we're leaving. So then we ended up here in Charlotte uh, after that and have spent the last, you know, almost 20 years uh, here in Charlotte. And I mean, I, we jokingly, before we started, I said it was a new Jerusalem because by golly, it's uh, it's the greatest place on earth. Mm. So you know, the, the weather's good. The children are above average. You know how it is. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear that his master's in psychology did help him though. Cause he was able to diagnose his wife's family. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not, uh, let's cut that part out. Spielberg. Can you edit that part out? Sorry. No, no, I'm just kidding. This is raw and unedited. For, uh, for officially, Dark Helm would deny that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, I won't. Those were the words of dial-up. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how, you know, how I got from from a, a young helmet, not a little helmet, <laughs> from a young helmet to, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to here. I mean, it's, that's the, you know, the high-level version, right? Yeah. But um, the, the F3 story kind of, it's kind of funny too, because it seems like everything that I've done in my life has sort of been by accident. Like I never really intended to do a lot of the things I did, you know, like I didn't know that our, our uh, university had a radio station. Um, but I was walking to the Dean's office one day, um, which happened to be in the same building as the radio station. I just walked by and I was like, Oh, we have a radio station. That sounds fun. And so I just sort of accidentally, you know, start doing radio stuff in my undergraduate. And, uh, and then after, I don't know, it was like six weeks or something, uh, the summer came and I worked in the, in the radio station for a summer. And then they were like, Hey, uh, 
you're you you're not stupid. Hey, why don't you run the place? And I was like, oh, uh, sure, okay. You know, I'm stupid. I was stupid. They say I wasn't stupid. I was stupid. I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but I just you know, I guess when when you're dumb enough to say yes, people ask you to do things, mm-hmm. right? So I just sort of accidentally did that, right? And then uh, that led to being in the radio and TV department during graduate school, so that they were like, hey, why don't you come back and and work here again? Because I went to the same uh, same university. And uh, ended up kind of doing TV stuff. And then I thought, well, that's a fun hobby, but I'm a, you know, I'm going to be a therapist. Right. <laughs> and then after graduating and getting in there with uh, the crazy people, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll be a TV guy. And, uh, and so, you know, again, just sort of accidentally ended up doing that. Right. I accidentally met my wife. I accidentally, uh, you know, just all these crazy idiot things. Uh, you, you, it would be easy to say it was all coincidence. Um, or I guess another alternate explanation might be that you sort of look back and go, you see the fingerprints you know, yeah. all over it. Right. Absolutely. From, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. There are no coincidences. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do in TV? Were you the talent on air talent or what? what were so some, uh, mostly I did a lot of shooting and editing, you know, of, of, uh, like, you know, commercials and things like that. Uh, that's what I came to Charlotte to do is make local commercials, you know, like car commercials and just like the horrible, terrible stuff. Um, and then, you know, I spent a couple of years doing that and then I was like, the people here can't know they're not any smarter than I am. I'm pretty sure I can handle this on my own. So I just jumped out and, and, you know, made my own company. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it, and then, you know, you look and you go, okay, it's a series of idiot events, just total accidents or not accidents, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to, uh, to bump into some people who were, were doing some cool things with F3 and, um, uh, C-SPAN, if you're familiar with C-SPAN, yeah. uh, who hosts the Roundtable podcast uh, on Fridays. He was our Nantan at the time when I joined S3. And he would just, he had this habit of just like, I'm sure he did it for a lot of guys, but he did it for me. So he had this habit of being like, hey man, I'm going down to, you know, you pick, I don't know, some far off place. And uh, you should come down and, and help me launch it. I'm like, oh, sure. You know, so he <laughs> packed me in the back of his car and be, you know, whatever it was. And uh, we drive down there and launch something. And I got, I, again, it was right in that same way. I just, I caught the bug, man. You know, it was like, I love this. Everything about this is amazing. Like this is, this is where I belong. Um, these are my people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so you know, doing some stuff like that, he asked me to help him with some things and he had been asked to do some things at the nation level. So I accidentally met OBT. And then after that, um, you know, I did, did some stuff there and was just, you know, again, accidental or maybe too stupid to know that I shouldn't do the things, you know, like nobody told me I couldn't do them. So I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll just do that. So I, they asked me to help grow, uh, it'd be the grow queue for the nation. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And they were like, uh, well, uh, you need to help regions grow. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what's the program? Like, I'm happy to do it. And they're like, well, that's the funny thing. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> but, but we, <laughs> I'm like, well, who, who's doing it now? You got a guy doing it now, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing it. Well, what's he doing? Nothing. Well, come on, man. He can't be doing like nothing, nothing like what? what, what he's got to be doing something. No, no, literally nothing. Okay. So what am I supposed to do? And they're like, well, just figure it out. Do something. <laughs> do something. So I decided, well, if I'm going to help these places grow, I guess I better figure out what they need. So right. I just, again, stupid, didn't know. I just started jumping on a plane and flying all over the country um, on my own stupid dime of like, hey, why don't I, uh, I'll go to Toledo. Okay. I'll go to Louisville. Okay. I'll go to, you know, whatever. Um, you know, St. Louis, I'll go to all these places. And I started just listening to the guys and meeting with them. And then I, after a couple of visits to different places, I was like, okay, here's the things I think that they actually need. Um, 
and so I kind of developed a little, you know, semi-curriculum, if you will, of like, hey, here's what I'm going to call F3201. You're going to learn it, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was really around like newer regions who, you know, you just don't even know what, what's an Antan, what's a first FQ, how do you, you know, how do you organize yourselves into, you know, so that you can have more structured leadership and provide, you know, easier access for PACs to have, you know, opportunities to lead all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So I kind of just threw together all this stuff out of my little brain. And, um, and then pretty soon, uh, the, the strange opportunity came up at a, a grow ruck, grow ruck 09 in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I'd been out there once already. And, uh, so when I went back and dread was there, um, he saw what was going on and we spent the weekend together and that was a, you know, very, uh, interesting, <laughs> very interesting weekend. Um, <laughs> And uh, I got back and I told my wife, I was like, that guy's hilarious. Like my face literally hurt from laughing like all weekend long. It was, it was the best. So we really just kind of hit it off accidentally, you know, again, no reason why we should have met. And then after that it was, Hey, why don't you come? And I want you to do, you know, this for the nation. And at that point it was, they invented a new position called the culture queue, the queue of culture for uh, the nation. And I was like, okay, well, what should he do? And he was like, you'll be fine. Just figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, ah, okay. Uh, all right. I guess I'll figure it out. And so, you know, just started thinking about, well, what, what would culture need and how would we grow it? And, you know, so we started doing the podcasts together and we started doing these other things. And then when it came time for dread to say, Hey, I think it's actually time for us to transition F3 into more of a formal structure instead of just, you know, a group of four or five guys sitting around making the decisions. Um, it's like, we really ought to put this together in some kind of like real structure and have it be a, you know, uh, just a more not corporatized in the sense of badness, but you know, like, Oh, it's now sure. it's bloated and corporate, but just, you know, just a more formalized structure. And so we went out to uh, slaughter's mountain house and, uh, and it was easy for me because they were like, Oh, here's the positions. Here's the things that we need. And we went through this whole thing. We talked to this whole long, uh, you know, litany of, of stuff. We spent a whole weekend in there. It was me uh, and dread and crotch rocket and AP and slaughter. So those, those five guys, that was the official, you know, the, the five guys that were, you know, in charge of the nation at that point. And they went through the whole thing and we talked it all through and we had all kinds of different positions up on the board and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. All right. Well, this is good. And I saw where I fit, you know, here's culture cue. I'm like, got it. That's really good. And, and then, you know, we're sitting at the table and, and the guys were like, well, who should we have do this? And who should we have do that? And dread goes, uh, you know, when it came to the president, he was like, well, you're going to do that. And I was like, no, <laughs> well, that seems like a very bad idea. Like I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I, I like it. It's not, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm a good choice for that. And slaughter agreed. It's like, I don't think you're a good choice for that. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, and so then it was a matter of kind of stepping in and, and it's been a really unique, uh, opportunity, um, because it's, it's service at a different level. It's, it's service in a way that, I, that I, I feel really privileged because just not a lot of men will get this opportunity. I mean, just statistically speaking, there's just too many men in only one, you know, position. Right. Yeah. And, and so they just won't get this same kind of opportunity. And, and I don't know why, I really don't know why um, I was blessed to be asked. I don't know why I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, so I got a bad back, so I was I wasn't going to do it. But then I read the Comfort Crisis, and like there's a study, like seventy percent of people with back problems start rucking, and they felt better. So I've recently started rucking. But anyway, we haven't jumped in a grow ruck yet, and I hope to because I would I would have done one by now if I, my back was. Normal. Isn't there one coming near you? Yeah, Valley Forge, man. I know, I know. I was there when the the, the, the idea germinated. Um, I had, I had the idea to start this Keystone Convergence and I, I shared it with Banjo next thing you know, he's, we got a Nantan call and the very first Nantan call C-SPAN was on cause he was in Philly oh, yeah. and he's like, well, we yeah, got to yeah. do a grow rock. I'm like, Whoa, okay. So anyway, it grew out of that. We, we decided to do the Keystone Convergence and plan for a grow rock and, uh, yeah. So I love the Keystone Convergence. I think that's a really cool thing that you guys are doing. I, sincerely. I think that's one of the neater, neater things. And I, I wish more guys would pick up on that and, uh, and, and try and do something similar in their area. Yeah, Dark Helmet, we have so many good ideas coming out of the Susquehanna Valley. I mean, have you heard about Nantan Week? <laughs> oh, yeah. Nantan, Nantan Week? Week? It's gonna Please be coming, tell me more. It's going to be a national thing next year. It, it's yeah. just, it's it's uh, like, uh, what's uh, Festivus? Kind yeah, of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you, yeah. man. <laughs> it's, it's a thing he just made up, and it's kind of grown. Like, this, this was our second annual yeah. So basically, we it's just it's it's a week where we put a lot of extra effort, a lot of extra effort into uh, you know eh'ing guys and really pressuring guys like, hey, we're setting record numbers this week. Get out of here, um, harassment, uh, peer lot, pressure, harassment, whatever it might yeah. be. But but it's also a week that we spend basically ribbon uh, and uh, poking fun at our Nantan over here. Uh, we we kick the week off with yeah. the Nantan Mile, yeah, yeah, which is themed around his love for breakfast and oh. just eating in general. Uh, and, yeah. uh, yeah. And it kind of goes from there, but, uh, next week we're going to, or next year we're going to have shirts. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, when it's really going to become shirts, official. Shirts is the great solidifier. Yeah. That's how you know yeah. you've got a right. thing. When you've got a shirt it's now a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's official then. Yeah. This was, I mean, I don't, I, I don't remember where I got the idea. I swear I saw somebody else say it on Twitter or something. And I think, wow, I'm going to declare next week, Nantan week. And so I did it jokingly. Hey, next week's Nantan week. But next thing, but my packs ran with it, and they just you know basically take the opportunity to, to bust me the whole week. Um, yeah. But it, it stirs like up a interest. Booth on Friday or something. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hold on, let me put that in my notes. Uh, <laughs> so, but I thought nothing of it. You know, we went through the week last year, and it was oh, it was fun. We did it and whatever. And then uh, this year. Uh, so I did it somewhere in January, I think. I can't remember. Well, I started reaching out to you because I saw yeah. that it was coming up. I'm like, yeah. oh, hey, it was about a year ago we did Nantan week, and I started checking with you on what your work schedule is. Yeah, so dial up like, you hey, can't have, do that again. Yeah, because we can't have Nantan week without the Nantan being yeah, able yeah. to post. So. It seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah, so we did it again this week, and we set weekly attendance records each Nantan week. So anyway, that's the Nantan week. and uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that more creative guys can do even more things with it. But uh, you know, our region sure is a little different because we're we're pretty low population wise, kind of rural right. area. So, not an excuse, but we don't have more than one AO a day. Well, on Saturdays we have two, but yeah. the second one that's pretty good. It's pretty low uh, attendance, but we have a, a, a workout Monday through every day, Monday through Saturday. But it's one AO a day, and uh, so you know, I. As other guys in big regions, Nantans can only go to one AO at a time. They get like a whole bunch of AOs the same day and stuff like that. So it's just different dynamics right. here. But but I, we talked about it. Oh, I was on um, things you should try. Uh, yeah, stuff worth trying. Stuff worth trying. Because yeah. yeah. they asked me to come out and talk about Nantan Week, and I said, well, this is a chance for guys Nantans to then really make an make an effort to get to every AO they can, and you know stuff like that. But anyway, yeah, 
Sorry, I didn't mean to talk about Nantan Week. How did we even get to this? I was talking about Grow Rock and this and that. I don't know. We, how did we get every, anywhere, know. man? You know what it was, Dylan? <laughs> he was trying desperately to avoid discussing Grow Rock. That's what <laughs> he was like, I don't want to talk about this. Why don't I make it about me and yeah. talk about Nantan there Week? That's what I'll do. <laughs> well, for me personally, I'm going to try to do a little bit more rucking and build up, but I'm doing the Blue Ridge Relay in September. Oof. And that's Ooh, a struggle. Have you done that before? He, last year I did it for the first time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was okay. As long as you know what you're getting into, because I was going to say, bro. It's a, <laughs> it yeah. Is, it is no joke. No, it's not. And, you know, we did it with a 12 man team, and Banjo and his guys did it with a six man team. And I'm like, wow, you guys are crazy. Oof. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And every, every, I don't know how it, how it works out that every leg is uphill. I don't know how that works out, but. It seems that Wait, way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Had that. That at some point, you'd have to come down. <laughs> I had a downhill. You had a, you had a six mile downhill leg. Okay, the second leg. okay, yeah, I did. No, my third leg. <laughs> third leg. That's right. Yeah, after the big mountain goat, and he drank out of a random water bottle. That <laughs> yeah, we've God told that story before. Inside. God gave me a ice cold water bottle on the side of the road. Okay, he just put it there for me. There was a little bit of drinking, uh, but it, it tasted good though. I was desperate. All right. You know, we followed the rules. We followed the rules. The vans, like other vans are stopping and giving water to their runners and stuff. My guys yeah. just took off to the next one and I'm in the heat dying. And anyway, Oof. the Lord provided. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So if I get through the Blue Ridge Relay and I survive that, maybe I'll sign up for Grow Ruck, but we'll see. I don't know. It also plenty of time work. to train. Yeah, yeah. If my back yeah. holds up, I want to do it. But I don't want to get yelled at. I'm 55. I went, you know, I went through boot camp a long time ago. I just yeah. need to plant well, the idea I, in Robin's head. Because <laughs> what happens here is his wife gives him an his idea. His wife will get him to do it. She'll yeah. say, hey, you should do this. And then he always does it, right? Yeah. Nevin, or DFib, sorry. DFib, you should yeah. you should start F3 in Danville. Yeah, good luck with that. Because he yells at me for rucking now. DFib, so. you should start a podcast, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm just, I'll talk to her uh-huh. offline here. We'll be like, hey. Uh, good call. Idea. She'll be like, See, DFib, you should do a crowbar. As long as it's her idea, right? Yeah. then I bet she'll love it and she'll get him to do it. Yeah. All right. So you just got to make her think it's her idea. Okay. We'll see. I'll work on See it. what happens. Hey, you know what, Dfib? If you don't want to man up and do it, you don't have to. <laughs> not, there's no requirement. All right. To, Are you going to be there? At Valley Forge? Yeah. That's a good question. So I, I kind of go now more or less where I'm assigned, um, you know, as a trainer or something like that. So mm-hmm. if I get assigned, I'll go. If I don't get assigned, you know, I may, I may go. Okay. Um, but, uh, my, I, you know, I, I don't know if you knew, but, uh, I had my, both my knees replaced at the end of last year, like, uh, in August, I guess Ooh. it was last year. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm still not quite right. I went like this last weekend, you know, we were out in, um, uh, Northwest Arkansas at a grow ruck and I was feeling pretty strong and I thought, hey, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then kind of last minute, my shield lock was like, well, if you do that, we'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> and my wife was like, you know, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but remember how depressed you got when you couldn't work out after your surgery? Yeah. And I was like, yes. <laughs> she, she was like, let's, let's not repeat that. <laughs> oh, you're, okay. you're too young to get your knees replaced. Oh, tell me about it, bro. How old are you? Uh, 47. 40. Yeah. They usually don't, they usually won't replace a knee until you get up in your fifties. Yeah. Oh. So they were that bad and the right one had become almost completely non-functional. Boy. Like I, it was super unpredictable. It wouldn't bear weight well. Sometimes it would like catch and uh, it would do this weird thing. And I don't know if it was like because there was like, you know, cartilage or something that had broken off in the joint or if there yeah. was like bone actually hitting bone or something. But there was certain times when it would just like I couldn't straighten my leg. Yeah. Like, and it, when it was just excruciating pain. 
And, you know, I can put up with a fair amount of pain, but uh, this was, you know, beyond. And it was, again, it was non-functional. I couldn't straighten my leg. And so I finally went to the doctor and I was like, what do I do? He's like, well, you know, (laughs) here's what we're going to do. So that's, that's the way it goes. Do you, do you, did you stop running? Uh, I mean, I stopped everything for a while. Yeah. Um, But I mean, can you run uh, again or? I'm, I'm back now. Uh, they told me never to go long distance again. Yeah. Um, which, you know, to be very, very honest, I uh, didn't break my heart at all. Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I did a few PT, uh, you know, like P200, which is kind of like the Blue Ridge, but it's flat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a couple of these like long relays and, and stuff. And, you know, I didn't mind, uh, I didn't like it necessarily, but I, you know, I didn't mind doing it. It's fun. But uh, I think those days are, are gone. My hope is that um, I can get myself back into, into condition to do a grow ruck again. Yeah. Um, but uh, not quite there yet. But my, my hope is that, you know, in the next few months that these things will, you know, have recovered to a point where I can, I can do that, but we'll see. Okay. If not, it's uh, you know, I'll just kind of keep boot camping and doing my best, man. I, uh, I decided since I've, since I'm out on certain kinds of things, you know, you mentioned the comfort crisis I had uh, Michael Easter on the uh, 43 podcast actually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, you know, he talks about Misogi. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I decided that, uh, I was going to, in fact, I'm, I'm drafting the the note into our Slack right before I got on the call here. Um, and I decided we're going to do a monthly Masogi. And, uh, and so for packs who aren't aware or aren't familiar, Masogi basically has a couple of rules. One is don't die. Uh, the other is you must have, it's got to be hard enough that you have a basically a reasonable uh, chance of failing. Like you know, maybe 50% chance of failing. Like there's no, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to make it. So like a 5k, Nah, come on, you know, anybody can do a 5k, right? right. Uh, um, even a marathon, like now, if the longest you've ever run is a 5k, and then you said, you know what, I'm going to try and do a marathon next weekend, that probably qualifies because that's stupid. Yeah. Um, and it's super hard and you definitely have a 50% chance of failing and you know, uh, whatever. Right. So the, uh, the, the idea here is, and I just decided we're going to do this because I got to train for something, you know, I want to push myself to something right. um, since I can't really run and I can't really ruck like super distance. Um, but I can still carry heavy things for a short distance. So I decided that uh, the first one, we're going to do it in June uh, and we're going to do a monthly and I'll choose the queue and he'll come up with a, an interesting idea. They have to be kind of a little weird. They can't just be like normal, you know, Oh, do a million pushups. I mean, that's stupid. And we know we're going to fail that. Right. So it has to be still a reasonable 50% chance of success. Right. Yeah. So I decided the, the challenge is going to be to carry your body weight. So, you know, not just your actual body. That's what guys keep saying. They're like, Oh, I carry that every day. <laughs> You're stupid. No, don't be stupid. Um, right. But to carry your body weight uh, for a mile uh, and do it in under 20 minutes. Ooh, under 20 minutes. Ooh, yep. that's, I better lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe for some guys, it'll be motivation. I don't know. But like, it's so not like you're example, fat or anything. I'm, I'm, a, you know, <laughs> I'm right about 200 pounds, right? So I'm going to load 200 pounds on yeah. and, uh, and go a mile in, in 20 minutes or less. I don't wow. know if I can do it because, you know, yeah. carrying a ruck, uh, a, a, a pretty quick mile is 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see. Hmm. All right. We'll, see. well, that's interesting. That's, so we got something new. We know we know something new about the nation now. We're gonna have a masogi every month. Yeah, I would. Well, so I mean, but you're not supposed to do one every region, month, right? right? But uh, I, I want to kind of test it out and see what happens. Okay. 
cool. You know, and if it, if it works and people like it, then maybe we'll, you know, we'll, we'll throw it out to the nation. You know, last uh, year the Blue Ridge Relay was a Masogi for me. I didn't know the name Masogi back then, but that was for dial up. It's not because he could blow through that. But for me, you know, the, the guy, yeah. so I, like I said in an earlier podcast, there are runners and there are guys that run. I'm a guy that runs. So <laughs> dial up's a runner for a guy that runs the Blue Ridge Relay was kind of like a Masogi. So yeah. I made it through. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I guess I can't count no, it there now because I already did one, but anyway, a grow rock no, would be like a Masogi for me with my bad back and everything. I went, I, I'm, Could be. I got to do yeah. it. I got to do it. Yeah, nice. I got to do it. He's considering it. It's <laughs> moving in the right direction. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I well, got you know, to. Persuasion I, is about initiation of first movement dial up. Yes. So that's yes all I, need. I just need to move a little. Yeah. I don't need to move far. Just, just a little. Moving a little. He's a shirtless yeah. dancing idiot. Yeah. I was a dancing idiot up here. I had some other guys join me. So fortunately. So anyway, I got I want to ask you, uh, you talked about yeah. your working out. I, I'm, I was curious, what's your weekly routine like as far as posting and other workouts? Uh, well, uh, now, right now, since I'm still kind of not quite a hundred percent, uh, on the, on the knees, I'm, I'm doing typically three, four days. I was doing, you know, five days pretty consistently, uh, before surgery, uh, sometimes six, depending on what was going on. But, um, but, uh, I'm, I'm doing about three, four days now. Um, typically, you know, boot camp um, style, uh, workout. I, I, I have to be careful. We have a couple of AOs uh, down where we are. And, and actually I used to love to go up to Metro, mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte Metro, uh, because they're hateful and evil <laughs> and it would be, it would not be uncommon at all to get, you know, four plus uh, miles during a 45 minute boot camp plus all the exercises. Right. And, um, and it was, and they would run you up parking decks and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it is truly hateful. Um, and, uh, and they don't mind dropping the six. They don't care one bit, uh, about, <laughs> about your feelings. They don't care if you know where you are, they don't care, which I find delightfully refreshing. Uh, and so I love to go up there. I, I don't know. My, my hope is one day I'll be able to be back in shape to go up there. Um, but not right now. I couldn't, I couldn't go that fast if I wanted to. Um, and, and I don't want to either, but that's, uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. But so, you know, typically, you know, like I said, three, four days a week, usually boot camp. Sometimes I'll, you know, I'll throw a kettlebell or something in there, mm-hmm. uh, or a ruck workout or something in there. Um, I'm, I'm just now over the last, like maybe month or so, uh, where I'm feeling strong enough that I can kind of, um, I can run a little bit better. And so I'm, I'm considering going to some of the more, a uh, little, you know, a little, little more intense, heavier, uh, run workouts and things like that, just to see kind of you know, how I'm stacking up, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, there's two things that I think every man needs to do. And, and, you know, dread talks about the three S and two T if you're familiar with that. Right. So you you need strength, speed, and stamina and toughness physically and toughness mentally. And, uh, so I try and, I try and mix it up, you know, make sure that I, I get some boot camps in, carry some very heavy things over distances, you know, stuff that'll, the stuff that'll toughen you up. Yeah. Cool. Well, the other question I have is uh, the three things you mentioned on your bio. Uh, one of them is, uh, I'm not, without pulling it back up again, it's basically helping guys find their purpose. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Sure. Um, so another thing that ha- another thing that happened when, <laughs> with F3 was that, uh, you know, I'd started this company. I was been working on it for a while. And, and then I found F3. And somewhere, you know, so I'm going to say it's 2015 ish. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I kind of became enamored with this idea of an ultimate life problem or an ultimate life purpose. Right. This idea of a D2X, this idea that there's some, 
thing, you know, that I'm supposed to be here for that. I'm, you know, destined to do, I guess, in a way. And I kind of became enamored with that. And so I started kind of going down this road of searching to try and figure out, okay, well, what's my deal? Like, what's my purpose? What am I here for? You know? And, and at the time I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got a, a lovely wife. I've got, you know, three beautiful children. Uh, I have this very successful thriving business. You know, we're doing just fine, you know, financially I'm driving a nice car. We, you know, live in a decent house, you know, like all the stuff, right. I've got all the things that, that, uh, you know, we weren't rich, but you know, like I've got all the things that, that look like success. Right. And, um, but I didn't feel it, you know? And then of course, you know, I joke all the time and say, you know, dread ruined my life because he introduced these idiot ideas into my head. I was fine. You know, (laughs) I, I didn't, you know, I was fine being fat. I was fine being (laughs) (laughs) eating donuts a lot. Like, I was fine, fine. You know? Um, but I realized that, uh, that there was something, there was an emptiness, you know, there's a hole. And, uh, so I started trying to seek to figure that out. And, it took, uh, it took a long time and it took a lot of work and it took almost, uh, almost failing, uh, my business, like almost ruining my business because I got very arrogant and, um, and made some very poor choices, uh, in terms of how I, how I went forward because I was so sure, you know, I'm Frank Schwartz, like what I'm, I'm, I'm everything I touch turns to gold, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be successful no matter what. Um, and, uh, and I tell you, uh, again, with, with this faith bent, uh, since we're all Christians, I think it's okay for us to talk about it. But, um, the, the thing that happened is I remember kind of talking to God and saying like, look, clearly I've nailed life. So what's next, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I like this ultimate life problem thing. I think that's interesting. Why don't you help me? Mm-hmm. And the answer that I feel like I got, uh, in there was, do you really want to know? If so, I'm happy to tell you, uh, but I can't work with you like this. Mm. And the next few years were some of the worst uh, ever. Um, The business just kept, I mean, I couldn't buy a client. I had massive attrition. I had purchased a competitor uh, in town. So we bought, you know, bought a competitor out and uh, we're trying to transfer, you know, transition their clients over and stuff. And I was so arrogant. Um, and prideful that I didn't even realize how badly I was turning off all their clients. And so all their clients left, I'm still paying everything. I was having clients leave and I couldn't figure out what's going on. I was like, I'm not doing anything different. Hmm. Like what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. No, no, you don't understand. I'm Frank Florence. You know, like I've got, (laughs) I've got this. And, um, no matter what I did, it just kept going worse and worse and worse. And, um, I really think it was because I, had an honest desire to learn this about myself, to learn what's my purpose. And so kind of through that horrifying midlife crisis kind of, you know, time, uh, really what came out of it was that I realized that my job on the planet is to help men figure out their purpose and to help them navigate that midlife crisis so that they don't have to go through what I went through so that they can be better at this. Now I went through it, I think fairly successfully, in the big scheme, um, a lot of guys, as you well know, I mean, it's a cliche, right? They cheat on their wives, they go buy a sports car, they get a bunch of tattoos or something. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know they clearly lose their minds, right, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with tattoos, but you, you know what I mean? Like, sure. you didn't have any before, now his whole body's covered. That doesn't <laughs> seem quite right, you know? Like, um, But he's, you know, he's searching, he's grasping, trying to figure out what in the world is, you know, who he is and what's he going to do. And so I came out of it better than that. But at the same time, you know, I was already in, in community with, 
men who were in a similar, in a similar place, you know, who were, who were successful by, you know, by on paper, you know, if you looked at it kind of from by the world standard, you would say, Oh yeah, these guys are doing fine. They're doing great. Like what, what possibly could they have that's going wrong? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. And, but we all feel that, that just, that gnawing emptiness, you know, that, that hole that we just cannot figure out what needs to go in there. And what I realized is number one, God needs to go in there. That's the, that's the main thing. Yeah. Um, and there's no Lamborghini sized hole in a man's heart. It doesn't matter how many of those you buy, you ain't going to fill it up, man. Right. It, it ain't going to happen. Um, and, and I think the other part of the hole was purpose. And so I, I hid from it for a long time. I walked around it. I kind of ignored it. Um, and, and, you know, dread talks about in, in the, I can't remember if it's in Q source or if it's in free to lead, but I think it's in Q source. He says, you know, when, when a man finally admits it to himself, what his purpose is, then he'll know. And I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. You're an idiot. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, he's a mentor. And so we, you know, we would talk uh, many different times about this whole idea and whatever. And I would ask him questions like, what do you think it is? Help me out here. And he, you know, of course he, he's like, ah, you got to figure it out. <laughs> and, um, and ultimately what it came around to is when I finally said, all right, fine, let's just pretend this is it. Let's pretend that my purpose is to help men find their purpose. And I just stuck it out there in the universe, man. I just kind of threw it out there. I was like a, I threw out like one tweet, uh, like a LinkedIn post, I think, or something, you know, um, I might've put it in Slack. Um, and, uh, I just said, Hey, I'm thinking about starting this thing, you know, to help men find their purpose. Cause I'm sick and tired of this crap. And who wants to come with me? And, you know, by the end of the day, it was 150 guys who were like, yeah, we're, we're in. Yeah. And, um, and so I just started doing, first I just started doing free calls on, on Friday. We're still doing, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's welcome. You know, you're welcome to join us uh, anytime. Go to, you know, unlockman.com and, um, you know, you can fill out the form and I'll put you on the, the list, invite you into the Slack, give you the, the link mm-hmm. every Friday at noon. We get on a call and we talk about purpose talk about what we're doing and how we're trying to find purpose. And I introduce a lot of ideas about the things that I did, the things that I'm trying to do still, you know, to, to refine it and hone it. Um, and it has a lot, you know, just different exercises and, and thought exercises and things like that, that uh, help guys to hopefully recognize the patterns in their lives, recognize the things that they're good at, recognize the things that they enjoy. Sure. All those things, but recognize that there is, there are things that you do right now that are completely innate. You do them and you don't even think about them. And you think to yourself, well, doesn't everybody do that? Mm-hmm. But the fact is not everybody does whatever that thing is, right? They don't do that. And so you've got to have uh, a little more awareness. And you, I think almost you have to have someone from the outside point and say, no, no, see that thing that you're doing? Yeah, that's the thing that not everybody can do. Yeah. And then you start grabbing onto that and leaning into that and just trying to understand, well, where does that come from? Why, why am I, you know, why is that like that? And, and really digging layer by layer. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I launched it out there and and now we've got, you know, a, a reasonable community of men that are trying to, you know, understand this stuff and, and, and kind of lean in and figure out their purpose. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you really hit uh, a need because going through Q source, Reading, first of all, reading it myself and free to lead about your D2X and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then reading about your ultimate life purpose and Q-Source. <clears throat> For myself, I um, I found it fairly easy. Um, my So, I, I and I can relate. I don't know how much I'm like them, but I can relate to dread in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my ultimate life purpose for, not well, 
for a while, since probably the early 2000s, the well, first time I got involved with leadership, I really wanted to learn more about leadership. I wanted to experience it, but I wanted to teach it. But I had mm-hmm. to learn it and I had experience it. And I'm never going to grasp it completely. But um, but that that really spoke to my heart was is leadership and teaching that and and um, and men. And I, I started a men's group in 2011 that's still going on Saturday mornings. It's not a workout group; it's a church group. I started another one, and that that one doesn't meet any longer. COVID kind of killed that. But and then F3. But anyway, I um, I really had this. My purpose was to try to help guys and uh and become better leaders and i'm like wow that's what f3 is about so when i read free to lead f3 when i first participated in it was like this is really good i like this i need the workout i need the fellowship i used to be playing sports being part of a team i I don't i miss that and then i read free to lead i'm like yeah this is it man this is what i'm talking about this is what this is what my kind of d2x thing is and um but what i realized is a lot of guys don't know that so i you know i would ask my packs we'd sit together cafeteria we'd have q source meetings a lot of guys struggle with finding out what is my purpose. And uh, there's so many mm-hmm. guys that just don't know. And so, I mean, I think you've really hit a big need here. Well, and, and you know, I don't think I hit it. I think all I did was was look and go, oh, you know, Dread figured it out, yeah. you know, or, or F3 figured it out by itself somehow, you know, <laughs> right? You know, like it, it figured out that this was a need. All I did was uh, navigate my own crisis Mm-hmm. and figure out kind of some things that work and some things that didn't work. But, you know, when I originally started looking at this, all this the you know, ultimate life purpose stuff, I was like, you know, one of the questions that Dredd asked me and that actually I think he puts in the book too is, um, you know, what's the thing in the world that pisses you off more than anything else? Mm-hmm. And not like a pet peeve, not like, oh, I hate bad drivers, you know, yeah. not like that, <laughs> right. right? But like, what is the thing that you look at and go, this is a problem that must be solved. Mm-hmm. This must be fixed. I will not tolerate this anymore. And originally I thought, you know what? I hate when men abuse power. Yeah. Like it drives, I mean, it makes me so angry Mm -hmm. that I just want to, yeah, it's not good, right? I get really, really, really angry about it. And I go, okay, well, how do I solve that? And, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there that do things, you know, to help, uh, the effects of men who abuse their power. Right. You know, I mean, I'm talking like everything from like human slavery kind of abuse kind of stuff to, you know, just poor leadership even. But when I started dialing back and I said, well, what's my contribution to fixing that problem? I thought if I get back far enough, I think the reason that a lot of the guys do that sort of stuff is because they don't have any idea what else to do. Hmm. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know who they are. They don't know why they were put here. They don't have any idea where they're going. They don't know any of those things. And so since they don't know any of those things or have any belief about what those things ought to be, they think to themselves, well, what else would I do except for accumulating power and oppressing other people? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, all right, I don't know that I can go to, you know, I'll choose somebody who's dead, right? I can't go to Fidel Castro or, you know, or I couldn't go to, uh, you know, I can't go to the Taliban and be like, man, I think if we sit down and find our ultimate purpose, maybe, you know, like I, I can't solve that problem, you know? But I can solve the problem of a man that I'm more or less proximate to mm-hmm. who doesn't have a purpose and therefore goes home as bad to his kids, as rough on his wife. And I'm not talking abusive necessarily in the sense of like they're beating him up, but but they're living less. They have believed for some reason, they've believed this self-limiting story that they've told themselves for so long, well, this is just how it is. 
This is just who I am. I'm not made for anything except sitting on the couch and playing video games and ignoring my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, I'm just here to bring home money, you know, so my wife can accumulate more crap and then I can bitch to my golf buddies about it. <laughs> and I see a guy like that. And I just want to push his face in. Right. Cause I just want to shake him and tell him, Hey, you were made for more. Your wife and your kids deserve more. And I'm not going to tolerate you being a jackass any longer. And so I'm going to shake you up now. And you're not going to like it, but this is the way it is, you know, and that, and that's how I feel. I just get so, and I see it a lot. I see it a lot at my church, even, you know, men who have just sort of, they're just mailing it in, man. They've just kind of given up. And I don't think men should give up. I think men should stand up. I don't think they should give up. Yeah. You know, yeah, it just drives me nuts. So, they, they put so that's sort of where that came from. And that's why I kind of started down this road of trying to help other men do the same thing. Yeah, they, they, they put masks on. They go to church. They put on the mask, right? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, posers or whatever. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and uh, and I I I so happy that F3's come along. I think it's come along at the right come along at the right time. Uh, it's providential, I believe. Uh, Amen. When I was uh, uh, when COVID hit, right before COVID, I don't, I can't remember the timing exactly, but um. I was, you know, on so the usual social media. Although I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really bad Twitter user. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, <laughs> Facebook. I didn't want to say anything, but it's been bothering me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Facebook and stuff. You know, Facebook is the most common. One. Anyway, you know, I, I For old get, people, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So I was, I would get so frustrated, you know, at Facebook. You know, these are the posts and this and that, and and, and it turned to find out that you know, post Facebook's showing you the stuff that you like, and you and you're dividing us. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and what I realized was. I can't change people's mind on Facebook. I can't, I can't, you know, people that are saying stupid things or doing stupid things or sure. people I disagree with, even if maybe they're right and I'm wrong, whatever. I'm not changing anybody's opinion. What I'm doing is getting the crowd that's be, that believes what I believe saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other crowd's like pushing back and then I want to respond. So I actually deleted my whole Facebook account and all that stuff um, a while ago. But then I had to put it back on because my PAX was pressuring me to, because we need to advertise F3 in our region. So I got back on Facebook, but I've been good since then but what, what i did realize is um i can make a difference in my community i can make a difference in guys lives through f3 um they're the people as you said i'm proximate to and and whatever with this podcast does right i mean yeah I, whatever you know whatever god uses it for but uh but that's that's the difference we can make and but I, and that's why i think f3 is providential because i don't know if there's a time in our in our nation's life that we needed it more uh, i don't know i guess the civil war was pretty bad so that probably would have been a good time but you know the depression all that we had some bad times in the past but um but we had a different mindset back then we had we yeah. were living off the the momentum at least of the judeo-christian value system and biblical truth and all that but anyway uh, i don't want to go down that road too far but uh but i think it's providential that f3's come along now and we and we need to build up virtuous leaders because that's my that's the thing that ticks me off is i see people s- suffering because of bad leadership kind of what yeah. you said and and i always thought yeah. my you know i took the, the spiritual gift inventory and stuff when i became a christian and all that and i think my spiritual gift is teaching uh, i taught a lot both through coaching and teaching sunday school for adults and things like that but i also think i have another gift a gift, spiritual gift which is provocation i'm pretty darn good at provoking people <laughs> yes he i feel is. provoked yeah and i <laughs> and i provoked some carolina guys in our episode of pike anyway we won't go there, or maybe we should. No, no, let's not. Anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was going to ask him because he said he was from Virginia. Yeah, I was going to say, how do people that live in Western Virginia describe where they live without it getting confused with West Virginia? Right? 
Yeah, well, no, well we, we, we pretty much offend one state in is the union every podcast. I'm from Western Virginia? Not, oh, not to be confused with Western Virginia, right? <laughs> That's right. All Are you there? have to do is you have to just have a man open his mouth and you can tell. No, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if he has all his teeth, he's not from West Virginia. Yes. So. Right. Well, that's good for a Yankee. It reminds me of my joke about uh, how do you know that the toothbrush was invented in West Virginia? Oh, that's right. <laughs> right? Because if it was invented anywhere else, it would have been the teeth brush. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh. <laughs> well, there you have it. Now we've offended the West Virginians. <laughs> you know, if we cared about their feelings, it wouldn't matter. But right. anyway, it's not yes. important. That's not important at all. No. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, cool. How did we get here? Yeah, we went from like really deep discussion to... I don't know. You got to lighten up once in a while. Yeah, anyway. Right. <laughs> Find your purpose. So. All right. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, it's exciting to hear all this stuff. I, I, I think guys need purpose. There's a lot of despair and uh, uh, and depression out there among guys because they don't feel like they have a purpose. Yeah. They get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Why am I getting out of the bed in the morning? Uh, and yeah. and, and your faith should be the biggest thing. You know, if, if, you, have, if you truly know that you're uh, made in the image of God, uh, and your value is inestimable, right? Because you're made in the image of God, yeah. and He loves you, and He loved you enough to die for you. Um, if you're a Christian, you believe that, and uh, and that that should give you time, that should give you reason to get, get up and go on and and move in the morning. But uh, God made us for a purpose, and and we got to find our purpose. And the purpose, whatever our talents and gifts are, we use them to serve others. And uh, and I think that's the message, right? You know. no, absolutely. In fact, it, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, when I would start first started out doing this thing uh, last year, uh, guys would say like, I think my purpose is to help people. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Like yeah. that's yes, everyone. So my belief is, and, and the way that we talk about it is that every single person on the planet shares a common and what I would call the universal purpose. So that's not quite the ultimate purpose because that's your personal, right. right? You've got a personal purpose, but the ultimate, you know, that, that universal purpose uh, is to help other people, right? And just like you said, to, to accept God into your heart, again, to who, whatever you believe that to be, I suppose, but in my right. case, you know, uh, Christian, right? So accept Christ in your heart and say, okay, that's, I think, baseline stuff. Understand who you are in relation to God. That's baseline. That you're right. That will get you out of the bed. But once you do, or what? Once you get out of that bed, what do you do? Right. That's the tough part, yeah. and that's the part that guys, you know, sometimes fall apart on. You know, so they go, well, okay, I, I, I mean, I'm here, and all right, I believe that I'm, you know, a child of God, and that I believe that I'm, you know, okay, yes, I'm fine. You love me, that's great, whatever. But, but what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. You know, and okay, be nice. All right, all right yeah, okay, sure. You know, but again, that's a very universal type of purpose. That's that's a purpose that every literally every person is supposed to live out. Yeah. Right. But not everyone is equipped the same way that you are, or that I am, or that dial-up is, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe even uh, what's his name? Spielberg. Was it Spielberg? Yeah, Spielberg. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went Shakespeare. I was like Shakespeare. It was something with the S. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, you know, the uh, you know we don't know, right? We we're, we're created for different things. Yes. Not everyone is equipped to do the same thing that I'm, I'm equipped to do and certainly not equipped to do it in the way that I'm equipped to do it. And yeah. I used to really struggle with this because I never want to sound like I'm bragging or pat, you know, pat myself on the back too hard or whatever, but the, I'm starting to really lean into this idea and really become comfortable with saying, no, no, it, it's okay for you to have a purpose for it to be divine, for it to be big, and for you to lean into it. Mm-hmm. I, never, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. where it all goes, but I know for sure that everywhere I go, my job 
is to help a guy who doesn't believe in himself, who has a self-limiting belief, who does not feel like he has any purpose at all. My job is to help that guy kick that thought in the face yeah, and to get it out of there. And the way that I'm uniquely equipped to do that is I, I'm really good at exhorting men, mm-hmm. right? A little bit like a provocator, but maybe not, <laughs> maybe softer, maybe a little softer, you yeah. know, right? <laughs> than, than that, but really helping them to see the value that they have and do it in a way that they feel super comfortable. I, I don't know why God made me hilarious, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> um, no, but, <laughs> no, but, but humor comes naturally. I like to tell jokes. I think, you know, I think that helps people to feel comfortable. Yeah. It's not something I ever thought about. You know, I was like, and now I'll come up with some more jokes, you know, like it's just, it's just a thing that sort of happens. And I, I found that that's a, I, it's still hard for me to say, but that's a gift, right? That's something that's good that helps people to feel, you know, easily loved and at ease and, 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 you know, not intimidated and all that kind of stuff. I'm a natural self-effacer, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right. But not, it used to be in a way that was really downplaying myself, but, you know, uh, with dread kicking me in the, in the tail enough times, like I've, I've kind of overcome that. And now I use it in a more effective way. But I don't, you know, there is a, an amount of humility that comes with that that makes people feel okay. Right. Because you can't really influence people unless you love them and help them feel okay. I mean, I can yell at them, but that's only going to work for so long. Right. Yeah, right. So now they got to know that you care. Right. Yep. Yeah. They got to know yeah, that you no, care. I, Sorry, I keep cutting you off. That's okay. I just said they got to know your care. Yeah. And it's yeah. got to be genuine. And and that's the, that's, since that's just how I am, mm-hmm. then that's the genuine part. It's not that I'm like super touchy feely and nice to everyone all the time, but, but somehow when I'm picking on you, you know that I'm picking on you and, and but it's, it's not because I really feel that. It's just because yeah. I'm yeah. trying to make you laugh, you know, and, and people feel comfortable. And, and I think that's, you know, you, you have a very different kind of a gift in a similar vein, you know, but you, you it sounds like maybe you ask certain questions that really just shake people up. Yeah, I, I think I do, do I do that? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I got to own that. It, that's okay. What did, yeah, what did Button say the other week? Like he was, I think he's, he repeated a question that you had asked to his wife. Yeah. And he said, honey, it's, it's not about the question. It's about, how did, how did he say it? It was uh Well, I, I'd said I. It's it's I'd, why he's asking the question. Right, it's right? why yeah. I do it to provoke uh-huh. thought. Yeah, and I, so yeah. that so that that question came from, well, a debate that I was a part of in uh, a adult Sunday school class, and and we don't have to have the debate here, but anyway, it was about the impeccability <laughs> versus peccability of Jesus. That means was it possible for him to sin when he was on this earth, or was it impossible for him to sin? As Christians, we all agree he never sinned. Right. So anyway, but was it possible? Right, right. So that's where we get the words impeccable, impeccable. But anyway, I, I put that out there on Slack for our region and for our our group, for my packs. And we started having this debate. And anyway, that's where this came from. I said, I'm, you know, I don't always ask these questions because we need to come up with the right answer, but I like to provoke thought on you guys. We should be thinking about these. Um, I guess we should, we should uh, let you let, let dial up and me get, get to bed soon. We have another one to record, believe it or not. Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah we're, we're three in one night. We're, we're uh, what time is that one coming? It's supposed to be eight thirty. Well, we better wrap it up. We got ten minutes. Yeah. Well, I've got I got a question Nine for minutes. you. I ask every time every time I ask this question, I haven't told you this, but I, I always think of the line from the Jack Nicholson Joker. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> <laughs> I ask that of all my prey. 
So I asked this of all my guests, yes. <laughs> but it's not that question. Uh, the question, not, it's not, uh, not a question. It's a, an opportunity. So my question, I guess it is a question. My question for you is, this is not that you don't have multiple chances in your own podcast, but anyway, what do you have a chance to give a message to all the men of America right now? What do you, what's your message for the men of America? Uh, my, I think my first message would be you grossly overestimate your reach. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. No, I meant uh, you. That oh, all the me. men in America are going to hear this. Oh, story. right, right. <laughs> 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 These guys are pondering it like there's some kind of deep thing. Oh, I'm trying to figure that one out. <laughs> you mean there's more than 10 <laughs> listeners? <laughs> right. What is the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> well, I'll have you know that we did have somebody yeah. download us from Moscow, Russia. So I don't know. Hey. Yeah. I mean, lots of people have bots listen. Anyway, right. so we, no, I'm just kidding. I downloaded, kidding. I downloaded from Wisconsin the other week just to give us a little spot. There you go. There, there, yeah, yeah, from yeah, Madison, Wisconsin. All right. I'll call my friends in Utah and be like, hey, uh, down, download this real quick. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> I will. Uh, no, so uh, backing up. All right, ask me the question again. <laughs> you have a chance to give a message to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America? Oof. Uh, I think my message for the men of America would be, um, stop being less, mm. stop being less. Yeah. If I was to put it in three words, right. Quit, ad quit taking what the world has told you you're supposed to do. You're not an accumulator. That's not your job. Your job isn't to have more crap. Yeah. You're not a you're not just a, a, you know, an ATM. Your job is more than just to bring money home and hope that you're, you know, it lasts until you're dead, mm. right? Your job is to lean in and find your purpose and then live that purpose as best you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. And I promise, only because I'm watching it play out in my own life and the lives of other men, thousands of them across the entire world, mm. When we do that, the other things that happen in our lives tend to unlock more. Here's the tough part is, and I just wrote this to somebody the other day, your purpose is not going to fall out of the sky and hit you in the face. It's just it's not going to happen. It requires a, a significant amount of hard work. I mean, I think some guys get luckier than others and discover something early and are more willing and more open to let that happen and then kind of lean in and admit it to themselves, you know, uh, which kind of sounds like, you know, what you did, Nev. Yeah. I mean, right. Um, but I think a lot of guys, at least that were, that are, if they're anything like me, they hide from it uh, for some reason. And I'm not a hundred percent sure why everybody does it. Uh, I know for myself, I think I was afraid to admit that this might be the thing because it was going to require me to do certain kinds of work. Yeah. You know, it's big and scary. It's going to require me to be more vulnerable. It's going to require me to, to talk about it more. It's going to require me to go to uncomfortable places that I don't necessarily want to go. But it's what I have to do now. Mm. Uh, I, I say I don't have a choice. You always have a choice. You know, no one's ever going to remove your ability to choose. But I have to now. I feel so compelled to, to do it now because if I don't, I will be miserable again. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't help anybody, right? Mm -hmm. So my message, I guess, to the men of America is stop being less lean in, allow yourself to live on purpose, allow yourself. You don't have to just react to everything. You don't, you don't need the world to tell you what to do. You know, in your gut, what you're supposed to be doing. 
So stop not doing it. Just lean in there and do it. Try. Because I tell you, the, the day that you start, remarkable things happen. I mean, it's instant. I don't, I don't even understand how or why, but it's instant. That's, that's, that's the message. Yeah, that's awesome. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Just real quick, a lot to wrap it up. Uh, what's next? What don't we know is coming down the road? For me or for the nation or? Yeah, both. F3. I was talking about F3, but. Yeah, oh yeah, no, that? I think for well, for me it's F three. <laughs> we are one. <laughs> uh, you know, we're 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 constantly looking at F three and trying to figure out how do we keep it pure. How do we keep how do we keep it a starfish? How do we keep it in the hands of the men? How do we keep things that would corrupt it, like money mm-hmm. uh, and politics and those kinds of things? How do we keep those things out? Uh, and so, you know, sound the alarm, right? You hear, you heard it here first, right? Um, but uh, there's there's some a little bit of restructure that's that's coming uh, in in the, the next few months. Um, you know, and again, guys who work out every day, you know, on the ground, no one's going to notice the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so I, I'm I'll just say it this way, I guess, and at the risk of sounding like a you know whatever, but. Um, I am 100% completely dedicated to the mission mm-hmm. and to making sure that it, it stays pure. Yes. And therefore I am, I right now that mission stays pure because we've got some really good guys myself and you know, my, my leadership team and you know, slaughter and, and those, you know, like we've got good men who are, um, who are very dedicated to keeping things separated and keeping things pure and keeping things clean. And, you know, yeah. in terms of, how the nation functions, but I can't rely on that forever uh, because, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. I, I, I might, I might be gone in a couple of years. I don't know, you know? Uh, and so changing the nation to be structured in such a way that that cannot be touched, mm-hmm. that the nation is, is sequestered away from all the things that would, that would seek to destroy it, that would seek to, to corrupt it. Um, so we're a little bit of restructure in, in that sense. Um, and then the other things that I think you'll see is, you know, uh, my my personal push uh, right now is one thing that, that guys do really well uh, when they get a little bit of fire in them, you know, the fire comes on in F3, right? And we go, man, yeah. this is amazing. I want to do all these things. And we start leaning in and start saying, uh, you know, so if a guy is really committed, let's say to like that disaster recovery, and he starts thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And he wants to try and reinvent the red cross, Mm, (laughs) bro. Don't reinvent the red cross. They've got it. They're they're doing just fine. You know? And I think this stuff takes constant vigilance, right? Yeah. Keeping it pure. Like you said, just like freedom. Yeah. All this stuff. Exactly. Hate to cut you off, but we're going to have to, Oh, you got to bounce. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, then let's just back up. So uh, we'll just end the whole thing with the the restructure thing. And so we'll just pretend I just said that. Uh, and then I'll say, you know, and there's a lot of other exciting things that are coming. Um, you know, my my hope is that we begin to become a better and a bigger force for good in the world and uh, infiltrate those places that, that need us the most. Uh, yeah. That's that's my push. That's what I'm looking for. That's awesome. We got really good men leading us too. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, dial up. I think we just spoke, obviously, to another high-impact man. Yes, we did. All right, thanks for joining us, Dark Helmet. Guys, it was a pleasure. I'd come back anytime. Yeah, I could keep you fun. on for another Thank hour. You. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Easy. 
Appreciate it, brother. All right. Take care, man. Talk to you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.